You know, I'm going to put off that little foo-paw with the, the projection there during the scripture readings as a trick of the devil. That, that, was, that was him trying to mess with our minds a little bit as the scriptures were read. But, you know, there's a, a theory out there that has gained some acceptance in child psychology uh, circles these days that basically says in order to develop health, healthy self-esteem in our children, we need to uh, do away with the importance of winning and instead stress participating. Maybe you've heard that. In other words, when, when it comes to contests that include competition, we should be uh, rewarded not for winning, but for trying. So, do away with championship trophies. Instead, participant trophies should be awarded to everyone who plays, winners and losers. Yeah, try telling that to the two teams who played for the Super Bowl, who played at the Super Bowl last month. Or those, those high school uh, teams who this month uh, in various sports are competing for uh, uh, tournament championships. That's not to say that we haven't these days become, I think, as Americans, a little overzealous about, about winning. Selfish human nature being what it is, and I know my wife would be the first one to remind you that I'm just as guilty as anybody when it comes to this, from card playing to football watching. And neither is it to say that we shouldn't learn how to accept defeat graciously and teach our children to do so. But the very nature of competition requires that there will be winners and there will be losers. So why not choose winning? Here's another fact about athletic competition. It's tough to win when your team's on the road. You see, it's there that the opponent has the advantage He's on home turf, and that means he's got three F's working for him. He has freshness, he has time to rest, doesn't have to deal with the, the rigors of travel. He has uh, familiarity, he knows the playing field better than someone coming from a distance. And finally, he has hometown fans, sometimes called the 12th man on the football field or the sixth man on the basketball court. But to be successful, to be a winner, you have to be able to win on the road. When Jesus, the Son of God, left his home in heaven on his mission to save the world, make no mistake about it, he was here to win. In it, to win it. From the start, he found himself at a disadvantage. He was on the road, invading the devil's home turf. And you know, within biblical history, nowhere do we get a clearer picture of the devil's home playing field, and nowhere are his evil attacks against God and against God's people here on earth more graphically symbolized than in the wilderness, the desert. The place of chaos, lostness, death. 
Jesus begins his mission to save the world in the desert. A gospel reading from Luke puts it this way, Jesus returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. You see, fresh from his baptism, Jesus went not up to Jerusalem, and not back home to Galilee, not even to the people that he came to save. He went out into the wilderness to confront his enemy, to be alone with his mortal enemy, the devil, who against us is undefeated. I mean, ever since the Garden of Eden, the devil's record is flawless. So, here they were, two mighty warriors preparing for battle, with the devil having home field advantage. There's no coincidence that the battle raged for 40 days. 40 days. It's a very significant number in the Bible. It appears uh, often. What is clearly implied here is that Jesus had come to save his people by doing what they failed to do. Jesus did what Israel couldn't do. You recall in the Old Testament, God's chosen people, Israel, spent 40 years in the wilderness. And their experiences there could easily be described as temptation and defeat at the hands of the devil. You know, there was grumbling against Moses and against God because then there wasn't food or, or fresh water. And so God provided them. They fell down and worshipped other gods. You recall the incident of the, the golden calf. And they failed to trust God's ability to save them, standing there at the shores of the Red Sea with the Egyptian army breathing down on them, and, and again on the, at the threshold of the promised land. As the report was given, there were giants living there, and we can't go in there with giants. Three temptations. Very similar, you'll notice, to the ones that Satan is now using against Jesus. You see, out there in the desert, Jesus stepped into the shoes of Israel. He became their substitute and took over where they miserably left off. He became the final hope. Israel, Israel's army, reduced to David versus Goliath. Israel reduced to one, the only one who could stop this evil madness and, and despair that the devil perpetrates on the world. It's no coincidence either, I believe, that 40 has been considered the, the number of years in a generation, or a lifetime, even though we live longer than that today. But still, we consider 40 as the number of years for a generation. Or that 40 is the number of days in the season of Lent that we're now living through again. In a sense, our life on earth is a 40-day, 40 40-year 40 journey in the wilderness as we travel on the road to the promised land of heaven. And all the while that we're here, engaged in this, this game called life, we're on the devil's home turf. And in this game, 
We are not merely participants. We're in the fight of our life. We're in the fight to the finish. And we are clear underdogs fighting for our eternal lives. Second place doesn't cut it. Neither do nice tries or notions of how you play the game. When it comes to sin, death, and the devil, winning is all that counts. The only thing that, that matters. It's tough to win on the road. The devil comes at us with the same temptations he used on Jesus. Very effective assaults. For example, he'll, he'll turn what God intends as a blessing into something evil. Bread, for example, food, blessing from God, sustains our bodies, gives us life. And our choice at times to refrain, abstain from eating bread, fasting, a favorite Lenten tradition and potentially helpful to our faith, can become a, a source of pride that ends up driving us further away rather than toward the mercy of God. And it doesn't have to be fasting. The devil can just as easily use a, a new job or a, a new house or recreational needs or our loving children and, and their needs. All blessings from God, the devil can use them to keep us away from Christ and his word. Another offensive that the devil uses is that he quotes the Bible very effectively to his advantage. Take a risk, Jesus. Trust God. His angels will protect you. They will bear you up in, in their arms lest you dash your foot against a stone. Psalm 91.15 Hey, folks, do your thing. Don't worry about a little sin. God will forgive. God is love. 1 John 4, verse 8. And after we then sin, the great tempter, devil, that is the one who entices us to sin, becomes the great accuser, Satan, the one who judges us then guilty of that sin. He turns on us and becomes our accuser. And then he's quick to remind us, ha, you're doomed. Remember, the wages of sin is death. Romans 6, 23. Satan knows that. He loves to heap guilt on us, to do his, his victory dance over us, to taunt us humiliate us, drive us to despair. It's tough to win on the road. The odds are against us. Worse, left to ourselves, it's a sure bet that we're going to lose. From experience, we know that. So did Adam and Eve. So did, did Israel of old. And so did Jesus. It wasn't easy for him to go out to the desert and face the power of temptation. Oh, sure, 
as the divine son of God, he could have risen to the occasion and fought as the, the devil challenged him to do here. Fought like a god and not a man. He could have crushed Satan's head on the spot, put an end to all of his evil. But for what good? I mean, the damage had already been done. Satan had already conquered us. We were doomed. By destroying the devil here, all Jesus would have done is shown his power and, and managed to save himself. And on the other hand, as the son of man, it must also have been very tempting for, for Jesus to listen to the Satan and take the easy road to bypass the cross, which he already knew was in his future. Either way, though, as God or man, Satan would have won. Every year, the gospel for the first Sunday in Lent is the account of this this cosmic battle between Jesus and Satan in the wilderness. Lent begins here in the desert. Forty days of grueling temptation and battling sin. Without a road win for Jesus here, the cross back home in Jerusalem would have been meaningless. The writer of Hebrews says Jesus was tempted in every way as we are yet without sin. Jesus became one of us. Remember the name Emmanuel, God with us. True at his birth, true at his baptism, true also now out here in the desert. He became our brother under law vulnerable to temptation, to sin, to death, to hell. He invaded Satan's domain, not with might and force, but with humble and perfect obedience. And in him, Satan met not only his match, he met his conqueror. Jesus went on the road in the desert and later on on a cross, and he came away with a win. And maybe it's for that reason that this account of Jesus' temptation in the wilderness is always the gospel lesson for the first Sunday in Lent. We begin our 40-day Lenten wilderness journey in the same way that, that Jesus end, ended his, with a victory. For us fights the valiant one whom God himself elected, we sing. As we leave this place and take our our game now on the, on the road during the Lenten journey of life. We do so with this same assurance of victory. And when we fail temptations and lose to the devil, the father of lies, as we certainly will again and again, the obedience of Jesus, our substitute, counts for us. His perfect life and his death shows up on the cosmic video screen whenever God reviews the, the game film of our life's performance. Satan's accusations notwithstanding. Satan wants us and all the world to believe that we don't deserve forgiveness. Truth is, we don't. Satan is, is, is right. But remember, Satan is himself the defeated enemy, the loser 
He's judged the deed is done. One little word can fell him. Just the mention of the name Christ reminds him of it and sends him running with his tail between his legs. To quote a famous football coach, a little out of context, I know, but for us who are in Christ, winning isn't everything. It's the only thing. The devil departed from Jesus that day, no doubt, mumbling as he left. Oh, wait until next time. Probably hoping that down the road he would catch Jesus at a weak moment. Well, Luke, as much as says so, he says, the devil left him until an opportune time. Yeah, that time came. Like a mini-series, the battle was to be continued. And finally, completed on a cross. There on a cross, our sin's debt was paid. There, Satan's head was crushed. And there, by trusting in the mercy of God who hung there, we find determination and courage to win our daily battles with temptation on the road as we are carried along in the outstretched arms of our champion, the king of the world. During these 40 days, may the peace of God that surpasses our understanding keep in your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus as he leads you in victory procession through the wilderness of life to the promised land of eternal life. Amen.